So, welcome to episode, episode four. four. The sweet life of missionary partnership with Juan and Mambo. And hey, if you've made it this far, we're super proud of you. Yeah, I know we're, we're pouring out a lot of stuff on you, uh, but this is an investment in your future. Honestly, guys, if you do these things that we're teaching you, it could literally change the, your entire future. Like, it could make the difference between you continuing missions or not, uh, continuing in marriage or not, having kids that love you or are pretty angry at you or not. I, I mean, it really can change the course of your life, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids. It's, it's big. It's so big that it's worth the investment of this time. Yeah, I mean, Jesus came to transform us, heal us, make us healthy, make us whole, make us complete, make us like him. That's in every area of our life. And for some reason, in our spiritual, you know, thinking, finances is separate. It's it's not a part of the equation. And it absolutely is. It really does matter to the Lord. And so it should matter to us. It's important as leaders to be healthy emotionally, mm-hmm. relationally, physically, right, and financially. It's all part of the package of being a well-rounded, healthy, good leader. Yeah, and I know we said this before, but it's not something uh, I have to do so I can get to my real ministry. It's a part of your job. It's a part of your calling is to uh, have a team to send you and to be in connection with them and not just do it on your own. Right. And so the first three episodes are really what we do in one day. We travel around and we do this training usually in three days. We do three hours a day and give homework each night. And the first day is what we just completed with the first three episodes. And now we'd be entering into day two, which is the second three episodes. Yeah. Well, this is the... uh, so one of my favorite parts, I love the Bible. I'm a, I'm a Bible nerd. And so this is where we tackle um, the biblical case of partnership development. And as a minister, as a missionary, we need to understand and be able to teach what the Bible says. And honestly, when I go around meet, meeting people, most of these things we teach, they have no idea about 100% of what I'm, we're about to teach you. Yeah, there, there's very little understanding out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There is. Uh, and I don't know where they got the. I think it just goes person to person, mouth to mouth. And it's a lot of guesswork people do. Yes. And not a lot of people know someone who is good at it and can help them. So we're going to go over some things that may blow your mind. And uh, so get ready. So we're going to start off with uh, one of our segments uh, about from true stories from YWAMers around the globe. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. My name is Brandon. I'm from Colombia. And I am, I am on staff at YWAM Cartagena, where I lead DTS together with my wife. And I have been a full-time missionary for around 12 years now. And it has been such a great adventure to be part of this international family. And today I would like to share with you a little bit of my own experience with finances. I know it's not an easy topic for many of us, especially for people who, for example, we, we come from South America or Africa or other places where missions are not that developed in comparison with other places. Um, when I first joined YWAN, I struggled financially, and I would regularly be behind my staff fees, which created debt to the base. And that's started because in my own country, people don't talk about money at all. Even my own family wouldn't talk about it, so I wasn't sure what to do and how to handle money. I learned about managing finances uh, at my base, but I believed that it was if I was responsible and a good steward of my finances and spending, that uh, God will bless me for that. And I always wondered why I didn't have enough. I thought that the only factor to take into account it was that I, I was generous, that I knew how to give my tithe, and then God will provide in any miraculous way. Sometime after that, uh, I, felt God, I felt God called me to go to start up uh, a new Y1 base in Switzerland, in Basel, uh, which was going to be a more difficult experience because it was way more expensive 
to live there as in Colombia. I got married with a Colombian and we had a, a baby boy uh, or son, which increased my expenses even more. And I faced, I found myself um, dealing with situations that were really hard to provide for my own family. And I cried out to God for help. I did my best to administer the money, the, the, the few, like the little money that we had, also to, to be responsible. But I, I was in a really, really desperate time in, when all that happened. In Switzerland, I was able to attend, along with my wife, a fundraising workshop taught by a Y1 leader. And one of the issues I discovered about myself was that I didn't feel worthy to receive money from people for the work I was doing. This definitely affected how I was communicating to potential partners. And actually, I didn't understand anything at all about partnering, about inviting people to be part of the ministry. It was like something very new for me, even though I was understanding with my mind, but there were many things in my heart that I had to deal with. And I wasn't seeing my job as a job, first of all. And I didn't see it as something worthy. I understood as well that administration is just one factor, but working and learning on our incomes is equally important. It helped me to realize that many people are living and getting their funds in the same way we do in Y1. Just to give you some examples, YouTubers, people in, on Patreon, Kickstarters, they have projects or they have some kind of uh, content that they believe people are going to appreciate. And if they do it, my question is why we are not believing in what we are doing. We are offering God himself. We are teaching people about who God is. We are connecting people with God. And if people in, on YouTube, on other social medias, they believe in what they're doing, why don't we, sh don't we do it? We are offering uh, God's eternal life to people around the world. Um, through this workshop uh, and through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in our family, I changed the way I communicated to ask people to partner with me to invest in changing people's life and build the kingdom of God. Now people began to partner with me, not out of pity, but because they were inspired to make a difference. It was hard for me to fundraise from Colombian, Colombians to the ministry in Switzerland because the change rate was low, uh, but also because of Catholic culture and background we are taught that missionaries are supposed to be poor because of this background. But God turned all of that around as people came into our team and we saw how wonderful it is to partner with other people. Now our partners have become close friends and mentors who share wisdom with us as well. And after five years in Switzerland, our family has returned to Colombia to work in our DTS. And we, are, we have invited this same, the very same speaker who taught us about finances to give this very same seminar to our staff in our base. And we've seen a major change when people start to apply that, uh, that those things they have been taught about. It's not easy, or cert certainly there's hope and tools that can help us with it. Don't give up, don't do it. Just follow what God has called you to do. I want to challenge you to have faith in God for provision, but also put your faith into action by sharing your vision for ministry with people in the body of Christ. Know that you are worthy to receive funds because a worker is worthy of their heart in the body of Christ. You are changing lives. You are co-creating with God and that things are changing positively our world. Keep doing it, be perseverant, and you are not alone in this race. Many blessings from Colombia and I hope this testimony can be a blessing for you as well. Bye-bye. So, that was Brando from Colombia and he... You know, what a great story. And, you know, all their stories are so similar, but they're coming from totally different cultures. Absolutely. And different ages. Brando's a younger man. Mm -hmm. Great to hear from him. And I think, you know, as I listened to that, I was thinking about the different lies and the different truths mm -hmm. that I heard in that story. Lies that we believe in God's truth, which we talked about um, in a previous episode. So, yeah, he felt like he wasn't worthy. And I run into this all the time. I even find people who've been missionaries for five years and um, and they say, I I'm not a missionary. I'm just staff at this mission space. And I'm like, what? Don't you know? Don't you know you're a missionary? And so. But and, they have this different image or picture in their mind, like I'm nobody, I'm nothing. And what I do doesn't matter. Nobody right. cares. And I'm like, wow. Terrible. 
when you're called by God and you're part of a solid team. And Brando, you know, he also said, I thought being a missionary wasn't a real job. He just had that feeling. And that's a lie. That's a false truth. So much so. He's a great missionary. Yeah, and he works all day, every day. Yes. Doing ministry. Yeah, what is that? That, that we would believe a lie of the enemy, that it's not a real job. And he said that these beliefs, remember we talked about the belief tree? Yeah. These beliefs affected how he shared the vision, how he communicated. And he wasn't communicating with confidence because he felt kind of weird about it. And like, is this right or wrong? Or it was very iffy. And so people responded uh, to that. Yeah. And so I'm so glad that he got set free from those lies um, and was able to make a change. Right. Right. Because he'd been in missions for a little while and he had to adjust his perspective, adjust what he was doing. And many people listening to this have to make some adjustments. And so that's why we go over it kind of a couple times. Some of these points we'll go over a couple times because the first time you hear it, you're like, what? And the second time you hear it, you're like, huh. And the third time you hear it, you're like, hmm, maybe so. I, I've been through all this. When we first became missionaries, I took on the, the task of raising funds for our family. And I, I felt like awkward and weird. I had no training. I just did my best. But I was like, I don't know, is this, you know, I, I fell short. I didn't do a great job, but I did learn. And and then I got better at it. And our family, we, we got to we got to a better and better place. But then I took over this ministry and had to raise a lot more money. And again, I felt awkward yet again. Like, oh, wow, I've got to you know, talk to people about making donations of tens of thousands of dollars right. to, cert to help the homeless, right? And But the, here's the good news. It got easier. I got better at it, even though I'm an introverted guy. I learned how to communicate effectively, and, and everybody can. But today, we really got to dig into the foundation, the roots. Like, what do we believe about this according to the Word of God? Right. And the Word does say when you're faithful and little, He'll make you faithful over much. And so many of you, I don't know if you're 19 years old and just starting out as a missionary. I don't know if you've been a missionary for 30 years. Um, slugging it out. I, I'm not sure where you're coming from, but I do know that when you're faithful and little, God will, the Bible says he will make you faithful over much. And so when we're faithful over what he gives us, he will increase that. And that can be souls saved. Um, it could be money in your bank account. It can be um, volunteers at your mission space, or maybe you are just serving uh, at a mission space, but maybe God's calling you to lead a missions campus somewhere or to start a new one. And so you have to get this under your belt. It gets strong in this area. So later in the future, it's not just for you, but for your whole team to be trained yeah. and maybe for you to be able to fund an orphanage to start or yeah. who knows, a community center. Yeah. There, who knows what God would have you to fund, but he's going to have you fund things or get funds to be able to change the world. Yeah. And we've got a, a, a young guy, a friend of ours at our base who... Sometimes he'll do training with us. And, you know, he's like 24, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, he's training the team at his other base. Mm -hmm. And it's like he didn't wait till he was old. He's passing this on now. Yeah, as soon as he learned this, he applied it, and now he's teaching it. And he's very good at it. Yeah, why not? Why not? Okay, so here's why we've got to really dig into the Word. I have found for myself, I can talk myself into or out of anything. If I'm not anchored... I can be like, oh, I don't know if this really works. Maybe I'll try something else. And, and, you know, it's like, wait a second. What does the Bible say? Because that's my anchor to the truth. Because otherwise, I know myself, I'll take the path of least resistance and squirm out of doing something uncomfortable. And this might be uncomfortable for you. But you can learn, you can grow and get better at this. And it does get easier. So you just have to know that God is calling you and that he actually lays out a plan in scripture for you to follow. So let's dig into that. Yes. Let's um, know the truth of the word of God to transform our minds from beggar to mobilizer, to minister, to leader. Right? That's what he's calling us to be. So, and we need to remember... Fundraising. Fundraising. Fundraising is hard. But partnership is sweet. 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 Now, let's talk about, let's go back to the beginning. Let's go Old Testament, OG here. Okay. okay. 
God created the idea, by the way, of the full-time ministry worker. Okay, the, fir- the, the he, it was his idea. We didn't make it up. And then he made sure that after he created this new assignment, he made sure there was a plan to sustain those people who were in full-time ministry financially. Okay, and the people I'm talking about from the Old Testament, the very first full-time ministry workers, were called the Levites, who wore Levi jeans. I believe. No, I'm just kidding. No, there was 12 tribes of Israel and the Levites, uh, was a tribe of Levi. And when they went into the promised land, uh, God told the 11 other tribes, go in and take the land and work the land, grow crops, um, um, have animals, uh, you know, mine, fish, whatever, create society, right? But the Levites, he said, no, 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 you don't get to go conquer those lands and take those fields and have that property uh, you don't get to have any of that. I'm giving you a full-time job and your role is to do full-time ministry. Um, and so their principal roles were in the temple, like singing psalms. They were like worship leaders in the temple. They performed construction and maintenance uh, for the temple, uh, kind of like work duty and what we have. They served as guards, like, you know, kind of like the police or security. And they performed other services. They were even teachers and judges. Like they helped, basically, they were the fabric of holding together the, the society. Yeah. Didn't they have cities of refuge? Yeah. They ran like three different cities of refuge, uh, which they were in charge of in case someone accidentally killed someone else or did something. Um, they could go run away and escape to there before someone took revenge on them. Mm. And the Levites would protect them until they could go to court, have a fair trial, and then, you know, administer justice. So. They were pretty big time. They were running everything and God assigned them. And we have a verse about that. So in the book of Numbers, chapter 18, verse 21, he says this to the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service, which they perform the service of the tent of meeting. So you can imagine the other 11 tribes, they're out there getting crops and animals and wealth and riches and, you know, everything they need to thrive as a people. But what about these Levites? They don't get any of that. Well, God said, don't worry, uh, because you're working hard and this is a real job, I'm going to provide for you. And actually, what everybody else is out there making and earning, they're going to give 10% of it to you. And by the way, it has to be the best of the best, the best crops, the best animals, the best, you know, they're used for sacrifice. You mean not the crumbs off the table? Yeah, you're going to have steak. You're going to eat well. And so he was saying through this uh, scripture in Numbers, the Levites were worthy to receive an income strictly because of their work. This wasn't charity to them. Like, oh, you poor thing, you have to serve in ministry, we'll throw you a bone. No, God was giving them what they were earning through their hard work and dedicated labor and ministry. So, In God's eyes, they were deserving of it. And hello, are you listening? You're deserving. And that's the way God feels about you. And you're not supposed to have the crumbs. But actually, God's desire and the way he laid it out in the Bible is that you would have actually the best of the best, that you would have good stuff, that you didn't have to have the Winnie the Pooh sleeping bag we talked about before with my daughter, yeah. but the but the nice REI uh, brand sleeping bag when you went to camp. That's right. So you're a Levite. I'm a Levite. Would, would you want to be a Levite too? Uh, we are, okay? This was God's idea. If you're called by God, you're like a Levite. You're supposed to be uh, provided for. So this is the good news, guys. When God chose his missionaries, his workers, he did not doom them to a life of poverty. Uh, The Lord made sure his ministers would receive excellent compensation, and his plan was to take care of them and bless them. And for some reason, in many cultures, and I think Brando just said this, actually, in the Catholic culture in Colombia, he said, said, pastors, priests, well, pastors, let's say, they're supposed to receive a salary. Everybody understands that. Right. But in his culture, missionaries are supposed to be poor. Mm. Well, don't missionaries, are they married and have kids and need housing and food? Yes. Where did we get this? Not they ministers. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. It's cultural, but it's not biblical. It's true. It's cultural, but not biblical. That pastors were to receive a salary 
be funded and missionaries live in poverty and really struggle. But you're right. It's not in the Bible. It's a cultural practice that is not biblical. It's in, it's really a revelation for sure. You know, I want to talk about Jesus in partnership. Let's move to the New Testament. Okay. Let's go for it. Let's go new school. All right. So can you imagine the omnipotent and sovereign God, creator of the universe, purposely choosing to rely on earthlings for, guess. for his very sustenance, like he did. Jesus actually relied on Mary, his mother. That, that was the first. Yeah. To take care of him, yeah. uh, to, to take care of him. And then later in his ministry, he actually had financial partners and who supported him, a group of women. And, and man, he relied on women a lot. Women are awesome. <laughs> I, I I agree. So are you saying he wasn't like doing carpentry on the side or some other? No, he didn't have a side hustle. He had women, and we're going to go into this biblically, actually. Um, let's Let's look into this. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3 says... After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, much like a YWAMer, right? The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. So lots of women are there traveling. This is what it says next. Hear this. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Okay. If you look in the original language mm -hmm. of this, it actually is talking about a continuous financial contribution rather than one-time gifts. Mm -hmm. um, the word helped in this context refers to continuous action um, being given repeatedly, almost like a monthly donor. So these women are literally monthly donors and supporters of the ministry that Jesus is doing. So Jesus had partners, had missionary partners, had ministry partners. Yes. And they were they were not what you'd expect. Like sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to ask that wealthy person who drives the, you know, really nice car and has a big house. Um, you know, but God will, has such an upside down kingdom. Many times he will use people who have the least or people you'd never expect to give the most. And the people you think would give a lot will actually give the least. So here Jesus was funded by ladies in this time period, right? Um, so you say, oh, I don't need financial partners. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to trust the Lord. Well, um, excuse me, are you better than Jesus? Do you think you're better than Jesus? Because Jesus had financial partners and we want to be like Jesus. Yeah. So many times we want to be like Jesus and I want to heal the sick. I want to pray for the sick so they'll be recovered. Yes. I want to cast out demons. I want to proclaim freedom to the captives. I want to care for children. Um, I want to go off alone and pray and worship. Um, but do you want to be like Jesus in every area? Because if you do, then you're going to have a team of partners who support you out of their own means, according to the Bible in Luke 8, 1 through 3. So do you know this verse? And can you tell it to people when they ask, oh, you're not paid as a missionary? Oh, no. Actually, no missionaries are paid. I'm following the model of Jesus. Who had Sounds like a good idea. He yeah, sounds Jesus like the one to follow. partners, too. And you <laughs> explain it to them and tell them this story. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you got to get this like like rock solid, right? Yeah, and and the people around Jesus, of course, they saw his passion, his mission, and they wanted to invest in him. Um, they wanted to free him up to do his work, the work of ministry all the time and everywhere he went. And I, I'm going to tell you a secret. Your potential partners may feel the same way. They want to see you accomplish great things for the kingdom of God, and they're willing to get behind you. Yeah, it's really interesting because Jesus modeled for you interdependence rather than independence. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. 
I want you to really hear me here. Jesus modeled for you interdependence rather than independence. He demonstrated a like a dual reliance on God and those around him, both. Mm-hmm. And so should we. If Jesus allowed himself to become vulnerable enough to need others' help, you and I must be prepared to do the same. Yeah, this is the model. Whose footsteps are we walking in here? If Jesus did it, uh, I think we should do it as well. Let's let's look at another verse. book of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 5 through 11. So it says, Jesus sent out these 12, instructing them. uh, In fact, the New King James has commanded them as follows. Do not go to Gentile regions and do not enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Now, this is where it gets interesting for us. Yeah, and even confusing, but we're going to get there. Listen to, hold on here. Jesus says, do not take gold, silver, or copper in your belts. In in other words, your savings. Uh, Don't bring a bag for the journey or an extra tunic or sandals or staff. Why? For the worker deserves his provisions. Whenever you enter a town or village, find out who is worthy there. And some versions call that person the man of peace. And he says, stay with them until you leave. Let me comment on this. So I would normally hear this and think, oh, don't take gold, silver, copper. You don't need any money. God's just going to provide for you. But really what it's saying here is don't take all your own stuff, all your own gold, all your own, all of your life savings, all your clothes. Yeah, your sandals. Not your provisions. Not your provisions, but the worker deserves his provisions. And and it says from the man of peace, from the person, from someone else, you're gonna stay with them. They're gonna someone else is going to provide. Another word for that guy is a partner. Yes. He's partnering. This is get this. Jesus, on the first outreach ever in the history uh, of the world, sends his disciples in the first one. And the first thing he requires them to do is to share that ministry with some partners so that they could provide shelter, food, clothing, whatever they needed, so they could focus on ministry in that town. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's sad to hear that many times people have a little bit of savings or have a little bit of retirement or something like that. And what they do is instead of getting a partnership team, they spend everything they have till they have nothing left. And they're completely impoverished. And then maybe they'll try to get some supporters or some partners, don't know how to do it well, and then quit. And then they leave and they have nothing. And so, wow, you know, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And isn't that a way that he could steal from us? Even what little we have is just gone. Instead of starting out missions with, okay, I have a savings account, and that's good to have. And I have some retirement, and that's going to be good you know, 20 or 50 years from now, um, and I'm going to get some partners to partner with me in missions and start from that point of getting partners instead of spending every dollar you have to your name, cut getting down to nothing. Yeah. Right. I believe as missionaries and as ministers in general, we are actually supposed to lift people out of poverty. Mm -hmm. I believe that's, that's why Jesus came is spiritual poverty, enriching our soul, but you know Jesus cares about our physical needs. He doesn't want people to suffer in poverty. How are we going to live them out of poverty if we're living in poverty? Right, right. It's not a very good witness. I mean, it's good to live frugally. Yes. And not be materialistic. No. That's not why we're doing this. No. I, you know, everything I have is is pretty much used from the thrift store or, well, you know, a great deal. You know, they yeah. don't have much. I mean, what we have basically fits in a suitcase. No, we travel in carry-on bags. That's and true. We have no big suitcases full of stuff. We only have really a small amount of clothes. Okay, y'all. So here's where we're at, just so you know, so you don't think we're like sitting in some big house with like golden chandeliers or something. <laughs> we each have one carry-on suitcase, 
in one backpack. Yeah. That's everything we have. Besides, yeah. back at the mission space, we each have one suitcase of things that like winter clothes. You know, we, we don't we don't need the winter clothes, so it's it's there in case we go to a, a cold country. But that's it. But that's it. We, at now back in our state that we left a couple of years ago. We have a friend who is an addict, and in there we have a couple of your guitars yeah. and my photo albums. Yeah. But that's everything we have in the world. Yeah, and we're not sad about it. No. We're, we're happy to travel life. Sure. Um, but we do need what we need. Yeah. And God called us to live this way. So maybe he hasn't called you to live that way. We're not telling you to live this way. But we are... You know, our airline tickets are expensive. Yeah, they are. You know, that you know, this mic using this podcast to train you. We had to buy a mic. You know, there's there's expenses in ministry. But anyway, let's get back to the Bible. All right. So we talked about Jesus. Let's talk about Paul and partnership. Yes, I love this one. So let's look to Romans chapter 15, 22 through 24. It says, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while. Okay, now I read this and it's in Romans. And as we all know, Rome is in Italy. And me, being half Italian, mm -hmm. a little bit of my Italian comes out when I read this verse. Romans, Italy, Italian. So I'm going to read this with an Italian accent. And when he says helped, I can't help but think about my Uncle Joe saying something like this, right? The word helped here in the original language is propempo. And when I hear the word propempo, it's it's said like propempo, eh? Propempo. <laughs> so you're speaking Greek, but with an Italian accent. Yeah, it's that... Greek, but, you know, it's the Romans. He's talking to Italians, right? So, okay, so let me read it again. He says, uh... I shall come to you for I hope to see you on my journey. Yeah. This is more American Italian, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And to be helped, you know, like you're going to help me on my way, you know, by you. You're helping me. Okay. And at first I may enjoy your company for a while. So what he's saying is, <laughs> hey, I'm coming to town and uh, I'm traveling through. You're going to help me when I'm there. And I'm going to enjoy your company for a little while. Like, hey, I'm coming. I'm coming to stay. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's so like um, gutsy. gutsy and presumptuous of him. Um, so let's define the word propimpo. Yeah. So propimpo, it means the definition is, definition is to send forward, to bring on the way, to accompany or escort, to fit out with the requisites for a journey. And so basically, in a, in a direct way, Paul clearly is asking the Romans to help him with his missionary assignment and by taking care of his physical needs. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like he's getting outfitted with all the stuff he needs for travel, for food, for clothes. And this is the model Paul is giving us for missions. He wasn't apologetic about it. He didn't He's, even ask. He was saying, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. You're... Which that's what was kind of mafia to me, <laughs> I thought, you know. Um, and then and then this is funny. In 1 Corinthians 16.5, let's look at this one. Then Paul says, Perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter. <laughs> this cracks me up. Can you imagine saying to someone, oh, I'm coming through town. I'll probably stay at your house. I think I'll be there three months. <laughs> and so he says, perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help propimpo me on my journey. So because he knows it may take a couple months to get everything he needs for this journey, for this mission, for what God's calling him to do, to gather people, to gather partners in that town, in that village, uh, supporters of the mission. So, wow, Paul is like, he has missionary partners. Well, and he, he's, he's the one that spread the gospel to a lot of these people. So he's discipling them. He's telling them, like, we're a team. And I'm going to keep spreading the gospel to these other towns and villages. And, and, and you're going to be a part of it. We're a partnership team. And then 
he's not just talking about himself. Right. He says, you're not just going to help me. You're going to help Timothy. (laughs) Right. Listen to this in verse 10. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you. Like, hey, put him at ease among you, okay? For he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. I'm not doing a very good Italian accent. So so let no one despise him. Help propimpo him on his way. So, hey, you're going to help me? You're going to help Timothy. You're going to help Timmy, too. Like, yeah, you're going to help us, okay? Okay. You know, that was totally what he's saying. It's crazy. It's so bold. This is the early church. This is the first churches. And he's like, this is who we are, and this is what we do. Yeah. We're doing it together. We help each other out. We help each other out. So he, as a leader, is training the church. This is what you do. And so instead of being like, you know, a little puppy with sad eyes going, we're supposed to be like, hey, we're, we're God's plan. We're teaching you as leaders in the body of Christ. This is what we do. We help each other out. Yeah. 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 And, and he's not even asking. He's saying, this is what you're going to do. Well, I I prefer to ask my partners, not tell them. Yeah. But Paul is pretty, you know. He's gutsy. He's a tough guy. Um, And we talked about this earlier about the backpack idea. You know, if you're outfitting someone for a journey, that's that's kind of the idea of Propimpo. Yeah, right now we're actually in the Alps and we're looking out a window at a huge mountain yeah. where people come from all around the world to, to climb, rock, rock climb, climbing. dangerous rock climbing. Yeah. But people don't come here without their gear. They have to have the shoes. They have to have the right um, harnesses. They have to have everything to keep everyone safe. They need really good gear because yeah. you're not going to, Try, we're not going to accomplish a difficult task without the right gear to do the job. And as a missionary, we need the right gear to get the job done. And that involves many things, depending on where in the world you live. If it's the car, if it's a, I mean, you might even need an airplane, a bush plane to get out to the jungles. I don't know what the gear is that you need for the calling God puts on your life. But I, let me tell you, there are people out there who have the gear and they're ready to give it to you. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to keep walking through the word, okay? Titus 3, 13 through 14. This is, this is good. It says, make every effort to help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their way. Make sure they have what they need. Propempo, again. Here's another way that our people can learn to engage in good works to meet pressing needs and so not be unfruitful. So this isn't just some random stuff that's happening. There is a reason behind this partnership model. And, and he's, he's actually writing and saying, I want you to support Zenus the lawyer, who uh, there's there's missionaries who are lawyers get who are getting financial partnerships for right. lawyers because yeah. you know there's people like look at international justice mission sure or stopping human trafficking globally we need lawyers we need who are out there doing that work educated and have skills yeah or doctors with doctors without borders we need people to partner with people with skills to make a difference and Paul's saying yes propempo help those people as well yeah and and here's why it's not just so. Uh, you can give them all your money and then they, you know, it, it, he's saying, no, no, this is so our people, the body of Christ, the people of God can learn to engage in good works. That's exactly what the verse says. Learn to engage in good works. We're actually teaching the body of Christ how to engage in good works. That's how you live for Jesus. And that's our job as missionaries. Our job is not just to reach out to people in whatever country we're going to. Our job is also to engage the body of Christ in reaching out to the people in these different countries. And if yeah. how are they going to learn unless we teach them how, right? And, and here's what those good works are, meeting pressing needs. And so not to be unfruitful. The fruit of our lives is to change people's lives, to lift them up, to transform their lives. And so we need to do it as a team. Okay, let's, let's hit one more verse here uh, and... This is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 13 through 14. Oh, 
It says, Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple? And those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Break that down for me, babe. Oh my gosh. So Paul, he okay, everything we just broke down, Paul puts it all back together. He says, don't you know those who minister the holy things, the Levites, they eat of the things of the temple. So people bring their sacrifice to God, right? Uh-huh. And then who, and they do, it's an act of worship. They bring their gift to God. So when people give to you, they're giving to God, but who's eating it? Who's enjoying it? Well, actually it's the Christian workers. It's the Levites and we're the modern day Levites. Yeah. And so we're the ones uh, that the, it says the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So we're not supposed to work multiple jobs that we're supposed to do our job of sharing the gospel and making the discipling the nations. Now there, there are moments mm-hmm. where you work multiple jobs sometimes, right? Sometimes for a season. And we're going to go into that as well. And a little bit about tent making. Yes. But actually how tent making was a very brief moment in time for Paul. And it was temporary for a short time for a short reason. And I feel like that's the same thing with the side hustle. Like, okay, sometimes God provides an opportunity. Let's say you go back from outreach and you're at home for three months. Well, should you sit and watch Netflix all day? (laughs) No. No, you shouldn't. You can do partnership development. You can work in a local store or shop. You should be productive. Yeah. Yeah. um, Make a little money on the side. That's fine. Or while you're on outreach, if you have an opportunity um, to make a little money doing a little something. It's okay to do things sometimes if the Lord leads you to do it. For, if you're about to have a baby or you have a, there's reasons for these things. Yeah, you do whatever you have to do to take care of yourself and your family. Right. But in the long term, the goal that Paul lays out is from all the way back to the Levites to Jesus himself said a, a worker is worthy of his wages. Paul basically paraphrases Jesus's words here and says that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. That is the long-term sustainable plan. And I do want to say, like these little side hustle jobs that we do, um, the money you make in those is way less than you would if you did partnership development. Way less. And lots of hours. A lot of hours. So we're going to go into um, some true stories from YWAMers around the globe. Um, We're excited to introduce... Some sweet friends of ours, a young married couple with young kids, lots of personality and gusto. They're over all of Austria. Yes. Um, Austria, if you don't know, it's uh, right around the corner from Germany, Italy, um, Hungary, uh, is Austria there in Vienna. And they're going to share with you a little bit of their story. Hello there. Yeah. This is Annie. And I'm Harald. And together we are leading YWAM Austria. And we are based in Vienna. And we've been here for eight years. And uh, we both started out, started out in, in Norway with YWAM in Norway. Yes. In Norway, we have been doing um, different things. I was part of the prayer house and also... Um, taking care of the poor and needy that I really have a lot on my heart and also staffing some DTSs. Harry, you did yes, a bunch of... I also did uh, uh, staff DTSs, the leadership training and uh, Bible study training. And then we, we got the challenge to repartner while in Austria. So we have been doing that like for eight years now. And uh, so we are, we're keeping the, the wildlife flag flying high here in Austria. Yeah. And, uh, and we're excited to share with you today um, about fundraising, our experiences, and also maybe some helpful things for you. First of all, I'm jealous that Juan and Mumbo get to be there with you guys because we really already miss them. 
Thank you so much on this note, again, for all the wonderful input that you have given to us. Um, just want to share with you quickly what it's meant for me personally. This journey of fundraising wasn't very easy to begin with. And I mean, yeah, it's not easy in general, but I really struggled in the beginning. And on one hand, I was very excited. On the other hand, I was freaking out. And so as I was going, I got to encounter some wonderful experiences with people just saying to me like, oh, I've been praying every day since, I don't know, three weeks that God would show me something I can involve myself in. And this was such a godsend message. Thank you so much. Would love to do it. Other friend was like, I don't know, I'm going to pray for, you know, I got to pray about it. And then she prayed and asking God if it's his will to do it. And just a few weeks later, she got a raise in her salary. Her husband was super supportive and into it. And she was so excited to let me know actually just today. And uh, yeah, so, and also what I've noticed basically in this whole thing right now is that often it wasn't really about me and us trying to just raise support. It was also about reaching out to the people. So acting out in obedience and just basically sharing God's heart um, and the calling upon our lives has just richly, I don't know, blessed other people too. And yeah, it was so great. Yeah, and uh, for me, what I want to share two things with you. Um, and one thing what, what Annie also said is, um, you know, the the, the shift of, of mindset. Um, if you if you ask people for support, it's not like you begging for money, but it is. It gives you. You give them the chance to be a blessing and uh, and also to to fulfill what God put in their heart. Like Annie said, we had people that said, oh yeah, I was looking for ways to support mission, but I didn't know what. And then you came along and you asked. And I feel like that's what, you know, what what, what God wanted me for for this time to do. And uh, so it's, it gives people the chance to be a blessing, but also to be blessed because yes. as you ask them to support you, um, and they give generously to you. They will be blessed by God because that's what that 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 is what God has, you know, promised in His Word that when we give generously, He gives back. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's that's one of the major shifts that uh, that I had in the last couple of years in in in, in my thinking about fundraising. And also the second thing is that when you ask people to give to you, they don't give. Firstly, to you, but they give to God, and God gives that money basically to you to use. Uh, so it is not them giving to you, but them giving to God first, and uh, and and God entrusts you with that money, and you can steward it as as, as well as you can. And uh, so so it is part of the minute of of our ministry to to ask people for support and to raise support. And uh, and it's not an easy thing, but uh, it it can be a beautiful thing, and it can be a blessing for people. And you can partner with people and, and also teach them and uh, be a blessing to them as well through this whole support raising thing. Personally, yeah. And uh, I forgot to share one more thing. Um, one of the shift for me was also that it got, it went from oh they are my supporters, I'm just trying to get their money to I am actually partnering, I'm actually creating a relationship, or are we restarting relationships that have gone you know, with the time gone. And um, and doing that, it's just been, again, such a fresh, refreshing thing to be able to see that God is reconnecting us with old friends or with people from, you know, I come from Romania, actually. Um, so with friends from Romania or from Norway, whatever we've been through, and reconnecting us and giving us the chance also to build again and to speak into their lives. Um, so I would totally encourage you to go for it. And especially... Stepping out in faith, this has been a great journey in that sense for me personally and also for Hari, but I really love to see God working, moving in this way of me being obedient to him and totally, you know, freaking out and going for it and then seeing these amazing stories for God's glory. So we're already 30 seconds over. So Mombo and Grant, please take over. You know what we, um, what we need here in Austria. So if you want to come to Austria and help rebuild what we in Austria, Welcome and uh, we would love to be there. So, on one hand, you take over because we have talked too long. So, thank you guys. Uh, have a blessed seminar. Yes, and, uh, can you have a course. teaching time? Yes. Bye -bye. Bye -bye. Bye. From Austria. Bye. They are so fun. What a great couple. I love them. Yeah, I, I just want to reflect on a couple of things. Aunt Ani said, that people, she discovered people were ready and waiting to respond to join their team. 
And she discovered that sharing the calling of God in her life richly blessed those people. Yeah. It wasn't an annoyance. They were so happy to hear the the vision, the call, and to partner with them. Yeah. And what she said when she said, you know what we want or what we need, they're always looking for new uh, young, fresh staff who are in love with the Lord to That's serve right. in Vienna, Austria. So if you feel called to a cool European city, uh, they're Check ready to receive you. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think Harold, you know, he said, give people a chance to fulfill what God put on their heart to be a blessing and be blessed by God. Mm-hmm. That People want to be a blessing. Yeah. And they know that if they give, that God's going to bless them too. And we have to remember, people are giving first to God. They're not giving to you. They're giving to God. And then God is giving it to you to steward that money and use it for good. Yeah. And Ani also said, and she's from Romania originally. Right. And she said that when she reached out to people, that actually restarting those relationships has been a really special thing. And you might think, oh, they're just going to think I'm just trying to connect with them to get their money, but actually it like re recharged their relationship and their friendships. And it also allowed her to speak into their lives. And so she said, as I'm obedient and freaking out at the same time, <laughs> she said, we experience these God stories and God is glorified. Yeah. I always like to say that why not minister, not just to the people at your missions campus, not just to the people in your community, not just to the people on outreach or your missions trip. Why not minister to everybody you've ever known? Why not? And so this is an excuse and a reason to connect with. And if you do a good job, you really are connecting with them relationally. You're reconnecting with them because you care about them and you're loving on them and you're ministering to them. And then the partnership is just a natural outcome. And at YWAM, one of our values is be relationship-oriented. Yeah, so the whole thing is relationship. We're not doing sales pitches. No. We're sharing our heart. Yeah. It, this is our life. Yeah. You know, and people, they appreciate that, actually. It's special to them that we would get them involved in something. It's true. And many times I pray and God will highlight a certain person to contact. And I'll say that when I contact them. I'm like, you know, I feel like the God, God really highlighted you to me to contact you and reconnect. And I was thinking about you and, and, uh, yeah. So a lot of times we only connect with people to ask for money and it's such a mistake. It's really important to stay in contact with people as much as we can, even before we get to a point of asking them to partner with us. Do you know how their marriage is doing? Do you know how their kids are? Do you know how their job is doing? Have you offered to pray for them? Um, you know, what kind of connection do you have with them? Why don't we try to connect? It's so easy nowadays with texting and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok to just briefly connect with people that you haven't seen or comment on something. Well, but I have found that when I reconnect with someone, maybe I went to high school with, that's a long time ago for me. Oh, long time. But when I reconnect with them to tell them what I'm doing in missions, to ask them to partner, they're not like, well, why haven't you been talking to me all these years? No, they're just happy to hear from me. It's true. That never happens. I feel like that's another lie of the devil. They're going to think you have an evil motive. Right. But you don't. And they don't. They actually are like, oh, it's great to see you. Oh, my gosh. Look how old you are. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We're, we're looking at each other going, what happened to us? <laughs> I, you know, I think COVID aged us like 10 years. Before COVID, we looked pretty good. Now we're on the down. Young and spring. Yes, yes. But um, let's discuss a little bit about side hustle, part-time job, uh, ministry, work, family. Just um, what happens is if you're in full-time ministry as a missionary and then you start a business, let's say, for your side hustle. When you start a new business, generally the first three years, you're in the red, meaning you're in debt. You don't even turn a profit until year four, number one. Number two, if you're starting a new business, it's because you have an entrepreneurial gift and you're gifted at starting businesses and maybe you even went to business school and you're great with finances. So if you're starting a business and you don't have a business gift, you don't have an entrepreneurial gift and you're not good with finances, there's really a high chance, maybe a 90% chance, I'm pulling that out of my imagination, <laughs> that that business is not gonna fly anyway and actually you'll end up more in Yeah, here's our caution. Okay, we've seen people um, 
basically they get called the missions. They're convinced I'm going to do it. They're broke. They have to pay bills. And so they go start a business. They're running around town and they quickly find that most of their time is not doing ministry now. It's eaten up doing this thing that is supposed to be providing for them to do ministry. But now it's it's eclipsed ministry. Of course. And they're exhausted. Anybody running a business, it's going to take all your time to run a business. I don't care who you are. If you just run a business, that's all you do. But if you're running a business and trying to do ministry, it's going to push you over the edge and try to be married and try to have kids. Well, that's when your kids start hating yeah. you. So, no, there is a place for uh, the seven spheres, right? Where we're, yes. we are equipped and we're called. And I know people, many people actually have a YWAM. They're figuring out how to start a business in a closed nation. Right. Because that's the way starting a fitness, uh, let's say uh, like a gym, mm -hmm. so that they can have clients and then disciple them. Right. Or in the sphere of education. And so they're a teacher and they get paid to be a teacher and they use that income so they can minister to people in this country. Or they start a coffee shop because then they can hire people that are locals mm -hmm. and share their faith with them. And do ministry in the coffee shop. And that is the ministry because that's their, their ministry calling. Yes. So we're not talking about that. Right. But that's great because that's what God has called you to do. But that's not for everybody. And people who do those businesses, by the way, they have partners as well. Why? Well, if they're financially supported, then the business doesn't have to support them. And therefore, they can put more money back into the business put more money back into the community, yeah. more money in paying their their uh, their workers a living wage, and it blesses and multiplies. And so they even the people starting businesses, it's great to have a strong financial partnership team supporting them so they can do that business in the community as a ministry. Right. Yeah. So we're cautioning people against the side hustle, or if you want to put it in the spiritual terms, tip making. <laughs> um, I have worked two or three jobs at a time in my life. Yeah. When I was younger, when you're having children, um, you had to stay home and take care of the kids. And so you couldn't work. So I worked extra jobs. I worked until we had two kids. Right. And then the child care. We had three. Child care didn't make sense. And we had four. Right, right. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we hustled and we did what we had. To I took an extra kids to babysit a lot of my kids. So yeah, we've done things to we help. We believe in Thank hard you. work. We do. <laughs> Okay, that's biblical. Um, but on the other side, I have good friends who they're having children and they work all weekend at their tent making job. They work evenings at their tent making job and then they work during missions during the day. Their marriage suffers. They don't get to see their own children. They're sad. They feel depleted and they wonder like, can I keep going? And they can't because nobody can live that way. Yeah. So short term, you can do anything. Right. But we need a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. Right. So if you're doing a side hustle for a few months or even up to six months, if you have to or whatever, I don't know the timing, but sometimes you have to do it for a season just to get out of a, a situation. And, and we get that. But that is not a long term solution. Yeah. But we have heard this question, like when we're training people, they say, well, what about Paul did tent making. My mom told me I should just go get a job if I want to be in ministry. Yeah. And this is actually the main thing you're going to hear from people is they'll say, uh, well, Paul was a tent maker. Why don't you go get a job and do missions both? Right. You're going to hear this. So you need to know what to say. And I want to give credit to a friend of ours who did an excellent teaching on this. And again, he's written a book. He does an online training and an yeah. in-person training. His name's Rob Parker of the fully funded missionary. He's been teaching missionary partnership for um, many years now. And he did an excellent teaching on this. We're going to give you a, a piece of it, but you'd have to take his tra training or read his book to get the full idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he reports that Bible scholars have determined that out of the 30 years of ministry, that Paul only made tents for four and a half years. And even then he was supported by other churches while he did it. Wow. That doesn't sound like what you picture, I think, with tent making. Yeah. Out of 30 years, only four and a half years, Paul tent made. 
Now that needs to be something in your memory. So when people tell you that, you'll be like, know that out of 30 years, Paul, only four and a half years he did to making out of the 30, and that churches even supported him during that time and, and, and individuals. And we're going to go into the Word of God now to help you understand it. Now, you're going to have to pay attention. So focus in here because we're going to go deep. And when we go deep into theology, some of you are going to tune out, <laughs> tune off. Stick with us here. Don't give up. Okay, here we go. Okay, so uh, the book of Acts, chapter 18, 1 through 5, this is where it talks about tent making. And it says, and he, Paul, went to see them, Priscilla and Aquila. Who, by the way, led a church together, and her name is always mentioned first before her husband most of the time, because Paul loved this Priscilla. He thought she was the bomb. Yes, powerful woman leader. <laughs> Aquila wasn't too bad either. So it says, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And it says he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Okay, so remember that. Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia. Yeah. He's working with Priscilla and Aquila, right. making tents, they're exactly. living together, doing ministry. Yeah. Okay. So then I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 5 through 8. It says, Or did I, this is Paul, or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? It's kind of being sarcastic here. Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need. So he's saying here that while he was doing tent making, while he was preaching, he was actually being supported by other churches. Yep. So he is have he does have financial partnership even when he's tent making. And and he's questioning whether whether he should have received funds from the Corinthian church. Because that's normally what he said, right? A worker's worthy of their wages. Right, right. And But there was a reason. And, and we're going to get into the, what was the reason he did not receive funds from them? Okay, stay with us. We're going to keep going deeper. Deeper yeah. we go into 2 Corinthians. Yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul says, I did not burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia. That was Timothy and Silas, right? They supplied my need. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to, here's the reason why, undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. Okay. So what does this mean? So he's saying, I didn't receive funds because I was undermining these attacks from these people, uh, these other false ministers who were putting me down and were trying to trash me uh, to the early church and saying, I'm just there for your money. And he says, okay, then I won't take any of your money. Well, that goes actually into 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 15. Right. So what verses. you just read before, Timothy and Silas are actually bringing the money from the church to exactly. them. And then 2 Corinthians 11, 13, 15, stay with us, we're almost done. You're, you're almost there to the finish line. For such men, he said, are false prophets, deceitful, oh, I'm sorry, False apostles. Right. I'm so sorry. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is of no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Mm -hmm. So what he's doing here is he's actually, there's some false apostles who are accusing him Paul of evil doing. And so he's saying, hey, I'm not doing anything evil. I'm not even going to take any money from you guys. Right. Um, and he had to do that because he was being accused of, of evil doing. And so he had to say, hey, I'm just here to serve you. I'm just here to minister to you. Yes. I won't even take a dollar, even though the Corinthian church should pay him because a worker is worthy of his wages. He said, I'm going to have this other church support me who is sending money. Um, Timothy and Silas are sending me money. Uh, we're doing tent making um, even during this time. And the reason why we're doing tent making is because these people are accusing him of wrongdoing. He's proving them wrong, saying, there's no wrongdoing here. I'm not even taking a so, sip from you. So Paul is laying out like, this isn't the model for how we're supposed to be doing things. 
This isn't the big plan, okay, that everybody's supposed to go tit make, and that's how we're going to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. He's saying, hey, at certain times, in certain instances, we're going to have to maybe do something different in order for the gospel to reach the people. He's becoming all things to all men. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So again, let's just repeat that. Out of the 30 years of ministry, Mm -hmm. Paul only made tents for four and a half years and was supported by other churches while he did it. Yeah. So there you go. And uh, let's not forget. Fundraising. Fundraising. Fundraising is hard. But partnership is sweet. 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 Yep. You can do this, you guys. So we're going to go into something for the next episode. Uh, We're going to wrap this one up. Yep. Uh, We did a lot of biblical things and we'll continue to use the Bible throughout, but we wanted to go deep in the Old Testament uh, with the Levites. We talked about Jesus having partners. We talked about Paul and what he said about, hey, you're going to take care of me, right? And then we went into tent making and what that actually meant right? um, and, and, and put it in context biblically. And so we're going to go into our next podcast with more great information about how to take excellent job of your partner. Excellent care of your partners. Just do an excellent job at building a team. Mm. This is what God's calling us to do. Right. And we see so many times, I have so many stories of people who've given and given selflessly. Maybe they didn't have much and they gave generously. Mm -hmm. Never got a thank you. Never got any contact from the report. Never got a report. Um, and it, it's hurtful. And so, you know, we're going to teach you what to do in those instances, because maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you didn't know how to do this or how to do it well. So we're going to teach you how to do it well and also teach you how to apologize for maybe how you didn't do well in the past, because we can always turn a corner and turn a new leaf, right? Absolutely. We can do this. There's a, there's a real, and guys, we have some great material coming up. We're going to show you actual numbers, data, stats about what really works the most effectively in communicating uh, and recruiting and building a partnership team. So thanks for listening to the Sweet Life of Missionary Partnership, Episode 4. I'll see you at Episode 5. Bye. Uh